But today we're expectation number two, and uh, we're going to go to the book of Mark chapter number 10. It's on the screen, it's in your notes, let's look at it together. It says, starting in verse number 46, Then they came to Jericho, as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd. Was it a small crowd or a large crowd? Large crowd. Were leaving the city, a blind man. Bartimaeus. Sometimes when I get to talking fast, I'll refer to him as Bart, okay? Not Bart Simpson, but Bartimaeus, okay? Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Where was he sitting? By the roadside. These are key things. When he heard, when he heard, he didn't see, but he heard. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. I love his, I'm not going to quit spirit. Jesus stopped and said, call him. I kind of like that. It, I, I can almost see everybody going, ooh, you're in trouble now, kind of thing. You know, maybe it's just my school days coming back to haunt me. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Man, I wish I could just kind of get that in your spirit today. Cheer up, everybody. God remembers your name. He knows your address. He's got your phone number. He knows where you're at. He's looked at your bank account. He's seen your health records. Come on, he's calling you. Isn't that good? And throwing off his cloak, oh, excuse me, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. I love this line. Talk about great expectations. Look at this line. This is Jesus talking. What do you want me to do for you? That's the part I want to get in your spirit. God is not hiding things from us. God is saying, what do you need me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And what my goal is, is to get you to to ask for big things, not just, Lord, I just hope I can pay my bill this week. No, Jesus, if Jesus is saying, what do you want me to do for you? Come on, let's lay it out there, right? Jesus asked him that question. And then the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Now, it's interesting that Jesus asked the question because you think that it would be obvious, but Jesus wanted to hear him ask for those things. What do you want me to do? He said, then Jesus said, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus along the road. Now, as you remember, last week we talked about that our expectations really determine what we get out of life. I believe that. I I believe that what we expect is what we get. If we expect great things, we get better things than average. If we expect bad things, we get worse things than average. It all has to do with our expectations. And I want to continue to prove that to you. and, And I know this, that it's possible that because of uh, circumstances and, and because we've been beat down in life, all of those kind of things, that our expectations get broken. And it's possible to be in the presence of Jesus. It's possible to be in a church service and people are worshiping all around us. People are into the service. People are amening. People are hearing the statement, where you're at is not where you have to stay. It's possible to be in the presence of Jesus and not get your breakthrough. It's possible to be in a church service and here week after week where you're at is not where you have to stay and we don't and yet we don't make any progress in life. 
And uh, so, uh, you know what? Uh, I, I'm going to take a, a quick time out here. Mr. Skiles, could you look in my briefcase and try to find my glasses? Because I can't see a thing up here, all right? All right. It, it's terrible getting old. How many know that, right? Uh, all right. So we're just going to keep on moving, and hopefully they can find my glasses, and I can see what I'm trying to tell you guys. So anyway... Um, so it, it, that is possible. So here's what I want to deal with. I want to take this portion of scripture and, and I want to look at what happens in the life of Bartimaeus. And I want to look at very specifically three expectation killers. Oh, you saved my life. Thank you very much. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. He's the guy that's always behind the scenes making everything go on. Okay, so anyway, three expectation killers. There's three things in this story that are always trying to kill our expectations. And then I want to look at the scripture and I want to look at three ways to overcome those specific expectation killers. So is everybody with me? Okay, we're going to dive right into it because I was stalling there for a minute trying to find my glasses. Okay, so here we go. Number one, the first expectation killer is wrong thinking. How many would say that somewhere in your life you've had wrong thinking about some subject in life, anytime ever? How many have ever slipped into wrong thinking in your life? Okay, and that is an expectation killer because the moment you begin to think wrong, what you think about is what you begin to talk about, and what you talk about is where you end up going about. Now let me show you this in scripture where we get this. In verse number 45 of that, or excuse me, verse number 46 of that scripture, I want you to notice something. It says, they came to Jericho. And, and, and it's just that phraseology that helps me understand there's a wrong thinking. Because if you know scripture, if you go back to Old Testament, we understand that Jericho was a fortified city. Joshua chapter number 6 talks about Jericho was a place no one could come in and no one could go out. Jericho is forever mentioned in scripture and it's metaphorical or symbolic of a stronghold. And a stronghold is a wrong way of thinking. Come on, let me say it again. Stronghold is a wrong way of thinking. And, and so it's wrong thinking. It's a wrong way of thinking. Sometimes wrong ways of thinking come through the accidents of life, the incidents of life, the abuse of life, the pain of life, the abandonments of life, the disappointments of life, the wrong teachings of life that come to us, pastors and preachers that bring condemnation instead of building up. And so what happens is we, we develop a wrong thinking or a stronghold. And when we have this wrong thinking, I'm up here saying where you're at is not where you have to stay. But you're saying that's for everybody else and it's not for me. Come on, how many have ever been in church and you've heard a principle and without even meaning to you say, well, that works for them, but it doesn't work for me. Has anybody ever done that? Okay, well, uh, I've done that myself. And, and here's the other thing I want you to pick up in this. I, I want you to notice that it was with a large crowd. They were in Jericho, the place of stronghold, the place of wrong thinking with a large crowd. And I just want to bring that up because the majority of population, the majority of adults have a stronghold in some area of their life that prevent them from having breakthroughs in some area of their life. Some people have strongholds when it comes to relationships. Some people have strongholds when it comes to finances. Some people have just wrong thinkings. And, and usually when you see somebody have a, a negative in their life. Uh, it's because they have a stronghold or a wrong thinking. As a matter of fact, 
recent survey came out, medical research recently revealed that 87% of all illnesses are connected to wrong thinking. I didn't say that. Medical research says 87% of all illnesses are because of wrong thinking in our life. Matter of fact, it goes on in that report and says negative thoughts actually release chemicals from the brain that affect us in an adverse way. So we're just dealing with the killer right now. We're going to come back in a minute and see how to overcome that killer. So killer number one is wrong thinking. Number two, killer number two is what I call wayside living. It's wayside living. And uh, in this translation that I read, it talked about blind Bartimaeus being by the roadside. Let's look at it again in verse number 46. It says this. Then they came to Jericho and uh, verse number 46 says Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. Some translations use the word wayside. It's the same word that Jesus used that we're going to talk about next week when he said the farmer went out and threw some seed. Some landed on good ground and some landed on the roadside or some landed on the wayside. The wayside is what happens when you lose your way and you're no longer in the flow of traffic. You're no longer on the road heading to your destination, but you've taken yourself out of it. You've settled. You've pulled off the road. You've stopped pursuing your dreams. You've stopped traveling towards your destiny. You've decided this is as good as it's ever going to get. And you've pulled off the road. You're no longer in the flow. You're no longer making progress, but you're on the roadside. You're on the wayside, just living life, letting life happen to you instead of you happening to life. Years ago, I was doing a convention down in Ohio, and I had an intern with me. We went down to Ohio to set some things up. We were right on the border of Michigan and Ohio getting some gas. I was pulling on the on-ramp and a policeman pulled me over. Asked for my license and my registration. I still have, didn't know what I had done. And I sat in the car waiting for him to come tell me what I had done wrong for about 15 to 20 minutes. Now, how many know that's a long time when you know you're in trouble? Like, uh-oh, what did I do? He came about the time I was like, man, I got to find out what's going on. I see a tow truck pulling up to my car on the on-ramp. At the same time, he comes up and said, Mr. Hubbard, here's your citation for driving with expired uh, tabs on your license plate. And I thought, wow, no warning or nothing. The tow truck is here. What am I going to do? And, and basically, he's hooking up my car to tow it away because it's... In his words was, it's illegal to drive. It's not, it, it doesn't have the tabs. It says it's legal to drive. And they towed away my car. Now let me tell you, Barney Fife could have been a little easier on me. How many agree? He should have heard a message on grace. How I many know that, right? But I'm standing there on the roadside watching my car being tow, towed away. And, and turn around, he said, sir, I want you to know there's a payphone in the Denny's restaurant right there. This was before the day of cell phones. And I'm standing there watching my car be pulled away. And I'm telling you, it's a devastating feeling when you're an hour or an hour and a half from home. And I'm watching everybody else on the road making their way to their place of destiny. 
And I'm standing broke down without a vehicle of transportation that has been taken away from me. And I'm on the roadside watching everybody else make progress, watching everybody else make it home, watching everybody else reach their goals. And I'm standing feeling hopeless on the wayside living. Wayside living happens just because like Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus was blind. And when we lose our vision, then we, we start pulling off of the road. When we forget what we're aiming for, when we forget <coughs> we're trying to build a good marriage for our children, and we're trying to build good uh, finances to be a blessing to others, when we lose our vision, Bartimaeus was blind. We have a tendency to pull off the road, pull us ourselves out of the flow of life, no longer reaching after things that are great, but, but settling for average. The killers of expectation, number one, is wrong thinking. Number two is wayside living. And number three, the third killer I want to deal with today, is words that rebuke. Words that rebuke. Let's look at the scripture verse that we see here uh, in, in uh, uh, verse number. Let's go to that next verse. I think it's verse number 46. Go to verse number 46 again. Here's what it says. And it says he was by the roadside begging. And it goes on to say, um, uh, I don't know if that's all of it. Can you bring me to the next verse? When he heard that Jesus was coming, keep on going a little bit to the next verse. Yeah, watch that. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. That's actually verse number 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. So the third killer of expectations are words that rebuke. And here's what Webster says the word rebuke means. To express strong and sharp disapproval. Could I just see a hand of those that didn't grow up in a perfect world and you've ever faced a situation where you were, that you've had words come your way that express a sharp disapproval about who you are or what you're trying to accomplish? Anybody at all? Words that rebuke, they will kill your expectations. And they can be words that happened 20 years ago. They can be words that happened 30 years ago. They could be words that come from others. They could be words that come from yourself. <coughs> they could be words that, and ultimately, whether they come from outside or inside, they are always from the devil who is trying to rob, kill, and destroy you from getting to the destiny that God has for your life. And so they're words. They're words of an abusive parent. Their words of a relationship gone wrong. Their words of a school teacher that didn't mean anything that was negatively trying to motivate you. Their words from a spouse. Their words from a kid. They're, they're just words. And sometimes the words come from us. And I just want to warn you. This message isn't totally about words. But I want to warn you about the words that you say. It, it, I cringe when I hear Christians say, well, you know my love. Well, first of all, we don't believe in love. And the second thing is, you've got to quit using the words that rebuke your situation. And whenever you say, well, you know my love, you just lowered your expectation. Now you're not expecting to get anything, so you're probably going to get that instead of expecting great. And that's what you get. Is everybody following me? The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, we use this a lot. Proverbs chapter number 18, verse number 21, that death and love. Life is in the power of the tongue. And the power of the tongue is not always from somebody else. Because nobody else can cause me to stumble. Only I can receive that. And sometimes the death that is coming is by rebuking myself. 
In other words, talking about I'm no good. I could never do that. That message is for somebody else. Where I'm at is not where I have to stay. That's for somebody else. Because you don't know my circumstances or my situation. One of my other verses that I use quite often in my life is found in the book of Psalms chapter 45. And it basically says that my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And, and here's what I want you to see. Your tongue writes the script of your life. And so here you are, whether you're in, in act number one, or maybe you're a little bit older and you're in act number two, or maybe you're in the final act, who knows? But the reality is, is life is like this. God has a great destiny for us, but our tongue becomes the pen that scripts out our life. So write the life script that you want in life. Write, say the things that you want in life. Talk about how good God is. Come on, there's mornings I have to get up and just talk about how good God is. Is everybody with me on that? I want to go backwards for just a minute because I missed something while I was trying to get my glass. Oh, well, uh, uh, we'll cover it right here under number. Uh, yeah, words that rebuke. Oh, we'll, co we'll cover it in the how to overcome. Okay, so we have the three uh, killers. Everybody with me? Let's repeat them together. Here's the three expectation killers. Number one is wrong. Number two is wayside. Number three is Words that rebuke. Okay, so those are the three expectation killers. Let's combat those very directly. So here we are. Number one, if the first expectation killer is wrong thinking, then let's overcome wrong thinking with right thinking. Let's change our thinking. And guess what? That power is in you. That's not some spooky mystical thing. Oh, one day I'll change. No, change your mind. Come on. I said, just change your mind. The power that God gives us to change our mind is the same. Now, sometimes it might be a process, but you can decide today to change the way you think and get rid of the stinking thinking in our life. Let's look at it um, in verse number 45. Now, verse number 45, I want you to check this out. And verse number 45 was not part of my original text. I started reading in verse number 46. But prior to the story of blind Bartimaeus, there's verse number 45. And I think if we can grab this, it'll be the beginning of thinking different. Watch verse 45. Here's what it says. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. For many. Now I'm going to break that down for a minute. But one of the patterns of Jesus is he will state a principle and then he will demonstrate something to prove what he has just said. So verse number 45, he's making a statement. And then verse number 46 begins a demonstration of the statement that he had just made in verse 45. Is everybody tracking with me? In other words, he'll teach something and then he'll give an illustrated sermon. He'll illustrate the thing that he's teaching. And so one of the things that I want us to grab here when he says that the son of man didn't come to be served, but the son of man came to serve. Here's where our thinking can change right here. We have got to get beyond this idea that we're begging to get something from God. 
We have got to begin to expect that I am a child of God, that God loves me, that he has good things for me. And I'm not begging him, trying to convince him to release his blessings to me, but that he came not to be served, but he came to serve. He came to minister. He came to give. Come on. He came to give life and life more abundant. And when we can change our thinking and realize we don't serve a stingy God. We serve a father in heaven who has loaded the scriptures with verses that tell us we're the victor and not the victim. And we're the conqueror, not the conquered. And that he has good things for us. That in all things, all things come together for good for those who love Christ Jesus. And there's mornings, I'm just going to tell you. I, I, I still, to this day, there's mornings I get up and I got wrong thinking going before I'm even alert. I got wrong emotions already going before I even recognize what's going on. Has anybody else ever been there? And it is then I just got to get up and I just begin to quote things to the Lord. And I say, Lord, I'm meeting with you first this morning because I know the Bible says that if I seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, then all these other things I'm concerned about, they'll be added unto me. Lord, I know your word says in Jeremiah 29, 11, that you have plans for me to prosper me and to make me successful. Father, I thank you for Psalms 115, verse number 14. That says you're going to bring increase to me and my family every single day. Father, thank you for 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. That says you have all your favor coming to me. That at all times, in all ways, your grace will abound in my life. See, it's changing the way that we think. See, it, the, the issue is not in God's ability to give. The issue is in our ability to receive. Because what we think about is what we talk about. And what we talk about sets things in motion and begins to script out our life. Man, if I heard that statement for the first time, I would definitely change the way I talk. Right Now we talk about what's inside of us. So what we have to get inside of us is get away from the negative voices that are coming and begin to put the positive. Now I'm preaching to the choir because you're doing that. You're coming to a church where we're putting the positive word of God in your life to combat that in your life. Um, we've got to understand God isn't hiding anything from us. Let me give you a couple of scripture verses here. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 4 verse number 23 says that we have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. In other words, we've been through things that make us think wrong ways. But now as we dive into the word of God, it helps us to think right ways. Let me give you one more scripture verse and then we'll move on to the other two. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. I want to read verses number 4 and 5 with you. And this is one of those verses as an example. I'm just going to try to hit the highlights. But if you'll dig into this, I think God will really do a work in your life. Many of us have heard it. But let's look at it. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. In other words, we don't pull out a knife and a machine gun to fight the devil, right? And, and, and how many know when the devil attacks, he always attacks where? Right here. He attacks our mind. He attacks our thinking. And, and our thinking, we've already determined, our wrong thinking comes from the terrible things that have happened, no matter how we want to say them, or the wrong teachings that we've had. I've grown up in good churches, but I've been taught some wrong theology along the way. And, and so I've had to change my mind on some things. Everybody still tracking with me? All right. And so the weapons of this world, uh, on, on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish what? Strongholds. Remember I said the first... 
killer is wrong thinking. They were in Jericho. Jericho means stronghold. Stronghold is a wrong way of thinking. It's a stronghold. It keeps me from being blessed. It keeps me in a certain place. It keeps me in a victim mindset. It keeps me from being able to be. Some people are addicted to not being happy. You don't realize that you're addicted to it. Some people are addicted to being broke all the time. Because there's a strong... And I'm not trying to be funny. But literally, we've developed a pattern of, of thinking. And, and we need somebody to come and help us realize wrong thinking is killing our expectations. So we're on the wayside of life. See how all that's working together. And so watch this. Uh, we have the divine power to, to demolish wrong thinking. Well, how does that work? Verse number 5 tells us. We demolish arguments. Let's stop right there. Let's be honest. How many of you have sat in a church service and heard the preacher talking about some kind of blessing that God wants to put on your life? And you begin to, without even trying to, argue why that can't happen in your life. Let me just, come on, help those. That, okay, see? I'll stand right up here and say, where you're at is not where you have to stay. And there will be an argument that will come in and say, yeah, but. Huh? Anybody have yeah, but moments in church? Right, and, and, and I can come up here and talk about finances. And if you do this, this, and this according to God's word, you'll be blessed. And you'll say, yeah, but. Right. Mm-hmm. That's an argument. It happens to all of us. Because the moment that I say God wants to bless you, there's an enemy there that says, yeah, but he don't know you. Huh? And that's an argument. It's arguing against the things of God. Here's the question. Our tendency is to believe the argument rather than believe the truth. You know why? Because we're a fallen people. And so I'm challenging you to change your mind, get rid of this thinking thing, watch this. He says to take captive, uh, excuse me, to demolish arguments, watch this next word, and every pretense. A pretense is where we get the word pretend, something that looks to be real that's not. How many have ever fretted over something that looks to be real but it's not? Huh? Fear, false evidence appearing real. It, it looks to be real. It's a pretense. And you know what it does? It sets itself up against the knowledge of God. It happens in church. Right now, I'm speaking and giving to you the knowledge of God. And the devil comes right alongside of that with a pretending to be something that's not real to destroy the truth that I'm trying to get into your life. Come on, are you hearing that? He'll set pretenses up and cause you to skip church and leave church and be mad at church because he's trying to fight against the destiny that God wants to put in your life. Is that making sense today? And so, and, and he gives us the power through his word so that we can take every thought captive and make it obedient unto Christ. Come on, that's a good word right there, right? So the way we overcome wrong thinking is with right thinking. And right thinking starts with the idea that Jesus came to give life and life more abundant. God wants to bless us. Come on, I want you to say this with me. God wants to bless me. Let's say it. God wants to bless me. How many fathers are in the house? If you have it in your ability, would you not bless your children? Sure you would. And God wants to bless his children also. The second way we overcome or we fight against the killers of expectation is that uh, the second expectation killer was wayside living because he had lost his vision. Okay, and so so the so we overcome killer number two by number two renewing our faith. See, he lost his vision, and losing his vision was a result of losing his faith. Okay, when we lose our faith, how many know we lose our vision? When we lose our vision, we just give up. There's nothing that propels us. 
There's nothing that causes us to push because faith is the evidence of things hoped for. If we're not hoping for nothing, there's no reason to be in the highway of life. Fighting the traffic, pressing ahead. So my expectation is low, I've given up, and now I'm just on the wayside waiting to check out. You know? I mean, none of us would say that, but we're just getting by. Man, come on, let's not just get by. Let's be champions that God has called us to be. And so we got to renew our faith. Now, here's what I want you to see. Blind Bartimaeus. He was blind. He could not see that Jesus was coming. But he could hear. Romans chapter number 10. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You see, the best place to be in life. When, when life begins to beat you up, is to begin to pour the Word of God in you again. And the best way to do that is get in a Bible teaching church. Get some notes. Get a binder. Go home. Study those notes. Get in a small group and let the Word of God... See, I call the church the faith bank. And all of us face situations where our faith begins to wane a little bit. But when we come to church and we hear the Word of God, faith comes by hearing. And hearing is the Word of God. So I want to encourage you today, renew your faith. Let your dreams live again. Let your vision come back alive. And you'll find yourself pulling back onto the highway of life, running toward the destiny that God has called you to do. Come on. And you can do it. Notice it was Jesus that was passing by. Jesus is the Word of God. He heard Jesus. When you hear Jesus, when you hear the Word of God, that's why, how many of you would admit this happened? You come to church on Sunday and you feel something stirred in you. Anybody? But then Monday comes, right? That's why church cannot be a one-hour event one time a week. Because you've got hundreds of hours telling you why you can't. And some of us only have one hour telling us why we can We've got to renew our faith. Is everybody with me on that one? i got to hurry. Number three. The third killer of expectation is, now you're going to have to track with me on this. The third killer is words that rebuke. And so the way we overcome that is obviously speaking the right words. But I want to say it a different way. It's when we respond to opportunity. See, there was an opportunity. Jesus, the Word, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was flesh. Okay, And, and so Jesus was passing by. Remember last week the guy got healed because he was in the right place at the right time? And so he was healed. Right then, it's not just enough to be in the right place, but in the, he was in the right place when the word, when ministry came by, what did he do? He responded. He spoke to that. Let's look at the verse one time. It says, he began to shout. Verse number 47, he says, he began to shout. In other words, he responded. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then they rebuked him. And you know what he did? He shouted louder. Yes, sir. In other words, he continued to verbalize. He, be, he continued to say Jesus. He continued to quote scripture. I'm paraphrasing. I'm putting it into context here. But, but let me tell you, the moment that you decide to break out of wrong thinking... There's going to be rebukes that come and say, sit down, shut up. God doesn't know where you're at. Guess what you got to do? You got to respond even more. You got to quote. Let me tell you the first time I quoted Psalms 115 verse number 14 that God's going to bring increase to me. I didn't see a change. 
Didn't see a change at all. But the more I said it, the louder I shouted. Come on. And I'm not talking about antics. I'm talking about the more I submitted it in my spirit. It wasn't that my outside was changing, but something was changing on the inside. And something was changing in my thinking. And as my thinking started changing, my verbiage started changing. As my verbiage started changing, my life started changing. Come on. And my expectations became greater. To now I expect good things to happen every day of my life. Even in the middle of a bad day, I expect something good to happen. I expect when we come to church on Sunday, something good is going to happen today. Come on, are you guys as excited as I am about this word? Come on. All right. So he had to respond to the opportunity. This is active and it has to do with words and your words have power. What he heard aroused a response in him. Now, let me give you a statement. You give life to whatever you speak to. You give life to whatever you speak to. This guy was blind, but he heard and his hearing caused him to respond. And he spoke to, what do you want me to do? I want healing. He spoke to that. So here's what I want to say. If your tongue is the pen of a ready writer and you give life to whatever you speak to, don't speak to lies. Speak to truth. Don't speak to, oh, I could probably lose my job. They're laying people off. No, I'm a child of God. He is good. He is great. He has got something great in store for me. Don't speak to the lie. Speak to the truth. That's why Paul tells us in Philippians chapter number four, think on these things because he knows what you think about is what you talk about. What you talk about is where you go about. And the first thing he tells us to think about is think about truth. Don't think about the lies. Don't think about the what ifs. Don't think about what bad could happen. Speak about the truth. And here's the truth. God is good. God is great. If he is for me, he is more than the world is against me. I'm a child of God. He created me to prosper. All things work together for my good according to Christ Jesus. Come on. Speak to those things and give life to those things. Let me give you something that's not in your notes real quick. Mark chapter number 11 has an incredible teaching that I hear a lot of people, church people talk about, speak to the mountain and it shall be moved. Well, we missed the second sentence in that verse. And basically, and you can look it up, I think it's verse 23, it's it's, uh, Mark chapter number 11, I'm pretty sure it's verse 23, but I know it's chapter 11. Jesus is saying, if you speak to the mountain and do not doubt, watch the next line, you shall have whatever you say. I want you to think about that. You shall have whatever you say. So here's the question today. What are you saying? My old lady, man, she just drives me nuts. You shall have whatever you say. I'm always broke. I can barely pay these bills. You shall have whatever you say. I want us to be people. You say, well, that just seems like a lot of hocus pocus stuff. Listen, friends, whatever you speak to is what you give life to. In life. These kids are driving me crazy. I can't wait until they get out of the terrible twos. You shall have whatever you say. Man, these teenagers, man, they cause me to lose my hair. I wish they'd get grown and get out. You're going to have whatever you say. Come on. If you ever follow people around that are very successful, notice they're speaking. Notice how they talk. Notice how they talk about the good things and the great expectations and what good things are going to happen. And notice people that are always down. Notice how they talk. Every opportunity is filled with obstacles and how come it can't and shouldn't and wouldn't and all that. You shall have. Let me take that a little bit further. 
One of the things, and I just want to challenge you, this is a little sidebar and I've got to hurry because we're just about there on time. But Jesus, he didn't say pray to the mountain. He said speak to the mountain. I just want to challenge you. He believes in prayer. He taught us all about prayer. I believe in prayer. I, I believe there, we should pray about things. But I believe there comes a time when we're done praying about it and we've got to start speaking the faith of the thing that we've prayed about. You can't say, God bless my family, and then turn around and talk about how bad your family is. You can't pray, God, give me a job, and then turn around and talk about how terrible it is out there and how bad they You can't do that. You've got to say, Father, I'm believing that you're good, you're great, and you're going to provide me a job. Then turn around and speak to that mountain. Speak to it because you're going to have whatever you say. You cannot pray and then turn around and say something else because it just nullified. You just killed the verbiage of prayer. So, Father, I'm praying that my kids would love you every day of their life. Then turn around and speak to those obstacles. Speak to those mountains. Speak to. See, sometimes we don't need to be praying about the mountain. Sometimes we need to speak to the mountain. Right? Poverty, get out of my life. Victim mindset, right now in the name of Jesus, get out of my life. And then begin to quote scripture about those things. Am I making sense? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We are created in the image of God. Even God had to step up on nothing because there was nothing and said, watch this. The first thing we hear God saying, let there be. It was a dark, formless, hopeless situation. And the word of God. Pulled light and life out of that. And then he said he created us to be just like him. Your words can pull light and life out of a terrible situation. Let Let me just show you something else. The word lead is very powerful. It's almost like if Curtis up here had me in a bear hug and he's holding me. And I say, let me go. The word let denotes that there's a restraint. And God's word released the restraint. There's a devil trying to keep you from the blessing. And in essence, when you speak, you're saying, let it go. Let me go. Let the blessings flow. And that's why I'm quoting those scriptures that he's going to bring me increase. That he's going to bring me favor. Come on, somebody. Let it go. Let my blessing go. Some some of us got blessings stored up. You just got to learn how to start speaking and letting it be released. Come on. Is everybody with me on that? Some of you are looking at me like a deer in headlights. All right. Well, um, and let me just say something real quick on this. That's why sometimes I'll say, hey, are you with me? Because I want to hear you verbalize back. In other words, I'm wanting a response. Not because I'm trying to have a certain style of church. But when we say amen in church, what we're basically saying is, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I want that. I'm receiving that. So everybody say a good amen. amen. All right. You see what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get a response because what we respond to is what we activate. Some people respond to fear and we activate fear and worry and anxiety. Let me give you one more. I gave you three killers and three things to combat them. But let me just give you one more for extra measure. How many are in for the bonus prize? Okay, so here it is. Number four is watch what he did. He renounced his cloak. So we got three W's and we got three R's, okay? Hopefully you can remember them. But here's what I want you to see, and I want to leave you with this thought. He renounced his cloak. Verse number 50 says this. Do we have verse number 50 up there at all? It it, it says this. It says that throwing off his cloak, yeah, throwing off, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. I want you to notice something. Verse number 51 then Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? You know why? 
Jesus see great expectations. He didn't throw his beggar's garment off after he got a sight. He threw his beggar's garment off before he got a sight. Many scholars, I don't have a way to prove this. I've only read what they've written. Many scholars believe that in those days there was a form of welfare, uh, like in our country, world that we live in, and that literally the government would give you a beggar's garment. In other words, that was your license to be in certain places, like last week at the temple gate, this week on the roadside in Jericho. It gave you the right to be in places and beg. Otherwise, if you didn't have that license, that beggar's garment, then the officials would push you aside. And so they had a beggar's garment. So he had this, he, he, he had this right, he had this beggar's garment. He had been given permission to beg. Okay? But... But when Jesus, when he heard that Jesus was coming by, he threw the garment off before he was healed. He threw it off. And ladies and gentlemen, that is elevated expectation. And here's the thought I want to leave you with. It's time for some of us to throw off a wrong thinking, a poverty mindset, a woe is me. And please know, I don't have time today to deal with I'm, I'm not unsensitive to the things you've been through. I've been through things, you've been through things, and we can all sit around all day and talk about how bad the devil is and how bad the people are that did us those things. And I really do have some sensitivity toward that. But at the end of the day, there has to come a time where you have to decide, am I going to stay on the wayside, just getting by, loss of vision, lame, forward progress, or am I going to begin to elevate my expectations again? Realize what the devil meant for bad. Really, God can turn it around and make it good. I'm going to throw off my beggar's garment. I'm going to throw off this bad attitude. I'm going to throw off this depression. I'm going to throw off these things. And I'm going to begin to believe that my tomorrows are better than my yesterdays. And where I'm at is not where I have to stay. How many received that today? You received that? All right. We got to go.